you know, we have a direction that we're going into as a church. And the direction that we want to go into, how come this is not opening up? That's bad. But did I send it to myself? I did. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, see what happens is you update these stupid things, computers and stuff. You get the updates on them. And they don't tell you in the updates, or they probably do, and I just don't read it, that they delete certain things, and they got rid of stuff. And so I guess because I updated it, it deleted something I usually use. Um, so really, really cool to find out in the morning. Anyway, anyway, I'll tell you, I, I'm excited about the season. I'm excited about direction. I'm excited about a lot of things that we're doing. You know, God has, has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. It's It's amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's not something that we just need to sit back and be in cruise control. It's something that we need to be aggressively going after with everything, with all of our being, because God has great and mighty plans for us. This season, what we're talking about right now, as we're talking about for the past couple weeks, is the generous life. Everybody say generous life. So we're talking about generosity, and we have Thanksgiving coming this week, and, and I'm excited about Thanksgiving. And there's a lot that we have to be thankful about. And I mean, if we take a look at what we have to be thankful about is, one, Jesus laid his life down. I mean, that's something to be thankful about. Why? He laid his life down so that way, you know, we could get, we could get reconciled to God. He laid his life down so that way we have the opportunity to pick his life up. I mean, that right there is pretty awesome because John 4.17 tells us, it says, as he, that's talking about Christ Jesus, as he is. Talking about right now, not talking about when he walked on the earth. As he is, so are we in this world. As he, as Jesus is right now, we have that to be thankful for. I mean, you think about it. As he is at the right hand of the Father, you know, as he is, so are we in this world. Write it down, write down uh, uh, 1 John 4, 17. Look that up, read it. That's what the Bible has to say about us as he is. And uh, the Bible also tells us all of his promises are what? Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We just said that, right? I mean, that's all of his promises. They're yes and amen. So those are just a few things that we have to be thankful about. But you know what we also have to be thankful is we have the opportunity to live the generous life. And if you, that's is another thing. If you understand what it means to live the generous life, your life will change. It will be different. And it's something that you can, you can be thankful about. Because when you understand this, it will radically change your joy. It will radically change your peace. It will radically change you being blessed on this earth in every way. It will radically change when you understand living the blessed life. Living this life of being generous. Living this and understanding it. Because we serve a generous God. He wants us to be just as generous as just as. He gave us his life to be just like him on this earth. We need to reflect him on this earth. Oh, but I can't do it. Yes, you can. Why? Because he says you can. Forgive as I forgive. Love as I love. Give as I give. Let people see me on this earth. And the only way they're going to see him on this earth is by looking at us. And are we doing what God is telling us to do? Are we just clanging cymbals and just making a bunch of noise? And yeah, I go to Thrive. 
Well, who cares? I don't go to Thrive. What? No. I come to worship together as believers, but, but I, I, come, I come to be the church. I come to represent who God is. I come to have a contact with God, to have communication with God right here to fill me up, to give me the tools, the things that I need so I can go out and I can live life and I can bring to a lost and dying world a living Jesus. That's why I'm here. I don't come here because, oh, hey, I'm the pastor. Look, I could care less, to be honest with you, about being a pastor. I care less about mowing a lawn, whatever. God, what do you want me to do? That's what I care about. If God says, hey, look, you're the pastor, now I care. Because that's what God says. So when God says, hey, I want you to come to, well, now I care. Because God says, I want you to come over here. For what purpose? You're coming here for the purpose to get filled up. To commune with believers. To go out into this lost and dying world and give this wonderful, generous gift that we've been given. Amen? In the book of 2 Corinthians, in chapters 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul is talking about giving of an offering. And uh, what I want you to learn in this scripture is what generosity actually represents. Because if we understand what it represents, we'll, we'll actually uh, be more apt to be a part of it. In verse number, uh, in, cha- in uh, chapter uh, 2, let's see. No, chapter 9, verse 11. There it is. It says, you will be made rich in every way. So in every way, he said, you're going to be made rich. So that you can be generous on every co- occasion. And through us, your generosity results in thanksgiving to God. So what generosity is directly connected to is your generosity shows thanksgiving to God. So when you're generous, what it represents is thanksgiving to God. God, I'm generous. So I'm not looking for something in return. I'm generous because it's a thanksgiving to you. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for everything that Jesus did. I'm thankful for the price that he paid. I'm thankful that you've given me the opportunity to be your ambassador, your representative here on this planet. You remember who I was, but no longer am I that person. That person is dead. Old things have passed away. Behold, the Bible says, all things have become new. Amen. So God wants us to be generous, so that way it shows our thanksgiving represents our thanksgiving to him. So the act of generosity is thanksgiving to God. Amen? In Luke chapter 10, Luke is writing, and uh, Jesus is actually talking. He's confronted by some religious leaders. And he's confronted by these religious leaders. They asked him, what does it take to get this eternal life? And Jesus responded.
by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. You should underline that word pity. He went to him. You should underline that. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. The word pity means love, so he was founded, it was grounded in love. It means compassion, and it's an unselfish love. When he went to him, it means he took his own time. He, he, he went there, and, and he spent time with him. It goes on to say, then he put the man on his own donkey, took him uh, to an end, took care of him. So he used what he had to get him some relief. And it says the next uh, day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Uh, Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So leaving him in the place wasn't enough. He, he decided to use his money to take care of him. So then, all of a sudden, Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, this is where you find generosity. And when I take a look at this, this is where you find the marks of generosity. And the marks of generosity, number one, the first thing that I see in this story is a love that looks beyond itself. That's the mark of a generosity, a love you're looking beyond yourself. It's genuine because you're not focused on self, you're focused on others. That's the first mark. See, we have to reach others, especially when we see a need. In Colossians 3.12, it says this, Therefore, as God, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. So in other words, what he's saying is love is the foundation. It's the clothes we wear. And, and the thing of it is, is if love is not the foundation of your generosity, it's like having a car without oil. Not without gas, without oil. See, a car without gas, you know, it won't, it, it won't even start. But see, you can be generous, but your generosity, it, it won't last because a car without oil, it, it starts shaking, it starts, and then all of a sudden, when, when the engine's gone, it's gone. It breaks. And that's the way we are when we're not generous, founded by love, when it's not the foundation of our giving. All of our giving, no matter what it is, whether it's material stuff or whether it's just a smile or, or a greeting, has to be founded in love. It needs to, that needs to be the foundation. Otherwise, you're just naked. And trust me, I don't want to see any of you naked. And I know you don't want to see me naked. Well, I got more laughs from you being naked than me. Sickos. Anyway, the second mark, number two, is willing to invest time in others. Money's not the only thing to invest in others, but time. I've noticed this. In this age, people who give money into good projects, a lot of times they don't give time. I think that people are starting to be more greedy with their time. God wants both. The problem with our kids today is we throw money at them and we don't give them our time. And if all we're doing is throwing money at them, we're wondering why we have the generation we have. We need to spend time with them. 
So we need to invest time. The good Samaritan invested time. That's a generous person. Ecclesiastes 3.17 says, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity and for every deed. So God is paying attention to everything that we do. Every place we put our time, in every activity, in every deed, God is paying attention to that. Don't think that he's not. He just said so in his word. So it's not just about money. It's about time. And because of our great love for God and because of our great love for people, let me ask, how many are helping out in church? Spending time. See, when you volunteer in church, what you're doing and you're investing in lives and other people who are coming to church. You're trying to invest into them. Because you never know what impact you're going to have on somebody's life when they come through the door and you just give them a smile. You don't know what they're going through. You didn't know that that woman that you just smiled at, her husband just hit her in the stomach right before she came, or she just had a miscarriage, or, or that guy just lost his job, and, or maybe his child was, was, was killed a couple nights before on the Asheville Highway in an accident. You don't know. They're hurting. There's hurting people, and you have something to invest, something to give. So generosity, number one, it's founded in love. Number two, it's the giving of our time. And number three, it's willing to use its abilities and resources at hand. See, the thing of it is, is this man, he used a donkey. Basically, he said, I'm going to take this person someplace else. I'm going to put him on this thing. It's like saying, I'm going to take this person in my car and take him to the hospital. I'm going to have an opportunity to take this person and do something for them It's generosity, and that's what this person used. He used something he already had. God will never ask you to do something that you don't already have. You have to have it within your hands for him to ask you to do it. If you don't have it within your hands, what he's doing is telling you to start believing for it because you're going to need it. But to use it for the person, you know, whatever person. Hey, don't worry, Stacy. You know, I'll be praying for you. But Stacy needed, you know, a happy meal. What's going? What do you mean a happy meal? Just something. Just fill in the blanks. You just needed something. I mean, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for you. You know, and and hey, maybe the ravens, just like you know, will come and bring you the food. They'll swoop down into the to the drive-through. They'll pick up that happy meal and they'll drop it off, and you'll have the toy that you want. See, that's what most Christians sound like. To be honest with you, we do. I'll pray for you, praying for you, sister, praying. When you have what somebody could use, what somebody needs, and you're not, we're not using it to glorify the kingdom, we're not the good Samaritan. We're not being generous. We're not the person that God's talking about. We need to be this person. We need to be founded in love. We need to use the resources that we have, and this is the mark of living the generous life. In 1 Peter 4, 10, 11 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. I remember years ago, I was uh, just starting to play the guitar. And, um, and I mean, I wasn't really good, but I mean, I could play. I could play songs and stuff like that. And I wanted a Les Paul. And Jeremiah Thomas uh, he gave me a Les Paul. He was one of my teenagers in my youth group. And I was so excited. 
I played it three times. And man, I was so, I was like, man, and I was, I'm buying all this equipment while I was going to in my head, you know, I mean, I was going to buy all this equipment for it. I didn't have a chance. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I knew what I, I knew the amplifier was going to get a tube amp, you know, and all the, you know, I, I wanted that sound, you know, I mean, I was excited, you know. And uh, I went to this prayer meeting with Patrick Sutherland, who was here uh, not long ago, and went to a prayer meeting up at, up at their cabin. And there was this kid there, and he was uh, with John Matthews. He was going to John Matthews Church at the time, and John was a pastor. And he was talking about a guitar and wanted a, a Les Paul. And I said, dude, I said, I got one, man. You know, and I told him my story, and I was all excited. You know. And about 20 minutes later, God said, give him your Les Paul. That wasn't God. Get ye behind me, Satan. No. Um, so I was like, all right. Went to the car, grabbed the Les Paul, gave him the Les Paul, and five minutes later I found out he didn't know how to play the guitar. Oh, that had to be the devil. <laughs> because I could play. I wasn't good, but I could play. This guy didn't know nothing. He didn't know G, E, D, nothing. But he wanted Les Paul. Within three months, he was playing worship on, that, on John Matthews' worship team, and he started leading worship after that with that Les Paul. So God is never going to have you give something to someone that you don't have the ability or you don't have it within your hand. Now you're like, did you get another Les Paul? No. That's not fair. Well, you know what? I didn't ask for one. After that, I was like, I don't want anything else. Because I'll get it and have to give it away. But the thing of it is, is, is it was my joy to find out later what it was used for. Another guy, Willie Counts. Um, he ended up playing at Raymond and traveling with uh, Kenneth Hagen Jr. And uh, he gave away a guitar at youth camp. And, and I'm like, man, rock on, brother. You know? And uh, then God said, okay, give him yours. I'm like, what? Well, I gave him mine, and he used it and when he got on the worship team with Raymond and traveling around with them. And... And so that guitar has been everywhere. So what I'm getting at is this, is God will always use what you have in your hand. And I'm a much better speaker than I am a player. Am I right, Alexa? She said, hallelujah. My wife won't even answer that because, you know, she's being gracious right now to me. Billy Graham said this. He said, when you get giving in its perspective, all other things in your spiritual walk will fall into place. That was from Billy Graham. Number four, intentionally gives money for eternal purposes. See, with that good Samaritan, what he did was, it wasn't just enough that he gave two pieces of silver for just a, a day or two, he said, when I come back around, let me know what the bill is because I'll reimburse you and take care of the whole thing. 
So I'm not just going to take care of you for a little while. I'm going to continue to take care of you until you don't need me to take care of you anymore. Let me tell you, we're always going to need God to take care of us. Amen? So he used money for eternal purposes. Romans 12, 13 says, share with God's people who are in need. It says, practice hospitality. We need to realize that money is only a tool, not an object to be worshipped. It's a tool. But it's sad that most people love money and they don't even realize it. I'm talking about people who come to church who give into offerings. and Most of them love money. How do you know if I love money? Because it hurts when you give. That's why he says, I love a cheerful giver. See, if it hurts to give, if it bothers you, then I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but you love money. And you need to stop it. Because it's going to control you and it's going to hurt you. And you know, when the economy crashes, and it will crash, I don't know what's going to happen with you. Because you're too wrapped up around it. We need to be able to let it go. I'll be honest, God, God has really shown up big in this church. You know, last week we talked about giving, and we really talked about finances. We talked about five things were areas that God wants us to give into. The first one was the treasury fund. That's the tithe. That's to take care of, of the local church right here. That's what it's used for. It's really not used for the administration of bread to the widows and all that stuff. Those are offerings. Then we talked about the mutual fund, and, and, and what that's talking about is, is putting money into building relationships with people. And then we talked about the growth fund, and that's talking about developing our character, putting money into developing your character. And then the uh, fourth one was this. We talked about the service fund. That's talking about feeding the hungry and clothing them and, and all these other things. And then the fifth one is the global fund, and that's about witnessing and evangelizing and missionaries. And you know, So God wants us to use finances for these things. And if we're not using finances for these things, then what's happening is we're not using finances in the way God created them to be used. So, so instead of a tool, it's become an object to be worshipped. And like I said, most people don't know this because they haven't been taught. But when we're taught and we understand this, then all of a sudden, things change. Amen? All right, let's change directions now. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. Sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. And God is able, he's what? He's able, God is able, he's able to make all grace abound to you, so that in what? In all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to give you everything that you need at any time, in any place, in any situation, so you can do anything in any good work that needs to be done. So when you say that, oh, I just don't have enough, that just means you've sowed sparingly. You've not managed the money correctly, the tool correctly, that God has given you, the resources correctly that God has given you, so you can abound, so you can succeed, so you can thrive instead of survive. It's time that we quit surviving and let's start thriving. There's a reason why we name this church Thrive. 
Because we want to thrive in every area of our lives so that way we can be generous people. For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. For God so loved them. For God so loved everybody. He was generous. But the only way this happens is when we understand he's able. He wants to do this for all this stuff. And it says this. It says, as it is written, he has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, that's us, and bread for food will also supply and increase your storehouse of seed. So he's going to give you more and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. So he's going to increase if we're doing this. Because, you know, we like to say, oh, yeah, God's going to give me. But it says we have to give. See, you can get without God. But you're just going to survive. But if you get from God, and because God is giving to you, that means he wants to give through you, he'll give you more. I don't even care if you're on Social Security. God's not dependent upon Social Security. God's economy is bigger than that. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Thank you, Stacy. Everything belongs to God. And if everything belongs to God, and we are children of God, everything by inheritance belongs to us. Ooh, man, this is, this is good. Come on. We need to get that stinking thinking out. And it says this, you will be made rich in every way. What? You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That was the scripture we read earlier. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. We don't give to get, but at the same time, when we do give, God does supply. This is good right here. So what we need to realize is this. There are benefits to this generous life. And the first one is this, is the favor of God. I need the favor of God. I need the favor of God in my life. I need the favor of God on this church to run this ministry, to do the things that God has called us to do as a church. I need the favor of God because without the favor, we cannot supply the need to people. Psalms 112.5 says, Good will come to him who is generous. It didn't say might come. It said good will come to those, to him who is generous. It will come. It's a certainty. It's going to come. So generosity brings good. Number two, real prosperity. And that comes to those living the generous life. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous man, what? Will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So if you're living a generous life, it says what? You will prosper. That's a guarantee from God. Well, hey, how come I've seen people, uh, uh, they were generous and, and they weren't prospering? Because number one, they didn't believe they were to prosper. They thought they were supposed to live poor. 
Remember, remember old-time religion? They thought everybody was supposed to be poor because it, it made us look humble and holy. That is not true. I mean, that is, that is so far from what the Bible actually teaches. I mean, can you imagine what Jesus' robes must have looked like if they were gambling for them? If you really do a study on the gifts that were given to him from, from a magi or from a king to a king, the Jewish law was, was, it was 10 talons of gold per wise man, which is anywhere from 62 to 92 pounds. So say, say 620 pounds of gold per wise man at the age of two? He needed a treasurer? Come on. But even with the treasure and even with all these things, you know what he still had? He had greedy people. He had Judas, let's steal it all a lot. And let's turn them over to the, for, for 30 pieces of silver. Let's, let's. That's because so many people have made money their God. Made stuff their God and take, instead of taking money as a tool. Jesus didn't care about money so much that when they were cruising down the road, oh man, how are we going to pay our taxes? I mean, that wasn't Jesus, you know. Look over Peter said, put your hand in the water. Just grab a fish, any one of them. Just grab a fish. He's like, oh man, he grabs a fish. I mean, you go grab a fish in the water. I mean, that alone is tough, right? I don't care if it's a goldfish. Grab a fish. So he grabbed the fish. All right. Oh, taxes paid. What Jesus was teaching us is we don't have to be a servant to money. And we don't have to be a servant to stuff. If we serve God, money will come looking for us even in a fish's mouth or the mouth of a fish. Amen. All right. So True prosperity and real prosperity is this. It's, it, it's prosperity of the soul, of relationships, of your finances, of your family. It's prosperity in every area of your life. That's, that's real prosperity. Number three, a legacy of impact. Your, your generosity, our generosity should impact the generations of others. But you know what? Our generosity has impacted the generation of others. We can see they're not generous. Why? That's because we're not. We haven't been taught that. We need, to be, we need to be generous people. We need to be the most generous people on the planet. Psalms 37, 25, and 26, it says, I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen, I have never seen, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children, their generation, their legacy, begging bread. They are always generous. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be Blessed. That is a powerful scripture right there. I have never seen, he said. Ever, never. Well, how do you know if you're righteous? I'll tell you if you're righteous. Are you born again? If you're born again, you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. You're not in right standing because of what you've done or what you do. You're in right standing because what Jesus did 2,000 years ago at Calvary, and it's because of his righteousness. I am now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so that makes me the righteous. 
I have never seen the righteous forsaken, begging for bread. I've never seen their children do it. Number four, impact with honor. First Samuel 2.30, it says, those who honor me, I will honor. Well, we understand that when we are generous to people, it's thanksgiving to God. And so it impacts people and honors God. And when it impacts people and it honors God, this just said that God will honor me because I honor him. Man, that's good. This is good stuff. And it's really quiet. I don't know. It's been quiet for the past, I guess because I'm talking about money and talking about giving. And I'm not just talking about money, though. I'm talking about every area of your life. It just so happens when we talk about money, this is when everybody's going, shh. I mean, it's crazy how much stuff has control over people's hearts. Anyway, I better not go there because that was my flesh thinking. God wants you blessed more than you really truly want to be blessed because he wants to use you to be generous in this life. That's why he wants you blessed. You've heard that statement, but there's a, there's a reason. He wants you to have increase in every area of your life so we can be blessed to be a blessing. All right, number five, and this is the last one. This is, it's called the bonus one. And we talked about this, this last week. Treasures in heaven. Remember 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, it says, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing and willing and willing and willing to share. In the same way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That right there, that is a scripture. We've gone over it for a couple weeks because that's a scripture that tells you to lay up eternal treasures and not treasures on this earth. Lay up for yourselves, and this is how you do it. And this is the bottom line, and this is the last thing in your notes. It says, our generosity is a reflection of the generosity of God. So how generous we are to others, it shows how generous God is also. And that's what it's about. 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, We are therefore...